Hey there, Awkward Throw Clear Faithful. This is Aaron Chalupa, the Chalupa Cabra. What we got here is a very special recording with the Stampeder alumni, J.T. Hay. He was a place kicker for the Calgary Stampeders in the Canadian Football League. I was very excited to record this podcast with him and chat about the CFL in the 80s and now and where he thinks the league is going. J.T. was a natural on the pod and a great guest. I hope to have him on again sometime, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. And as always, listen, like, subscribe, and share. Cheers, guys. <coughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the, au- the, <coughs> the Awkward Throat Clear. Now, here's your host, Aaron Chalupa. How's it going, Internet After 30 Podcast listeners? This is Aaron Chalupa. I'm here recording in Calgary, Alberta with uh, JT Hay. How's it going there, JT? Good. Just uh, looking for some more warmer weather, but uh, yeah. it's not in the forecast today, so I'll just make do inside. Well, it was pretty nice yesterday. It was about, I think it was about plus four or so. You know, we had that big Chinook come in, and then now it's cold and windy and snowy, but I think it's supposed to be coming up here that we get minus fours and plus fours and zeros and stuff. Sure, it always does. So uh, we get that one Chinook that'll come in, and then a day or two later, the temperature drops again. And yeah. It's <laughs> just something after 27 years, you get used to. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least, you know, Calgary is a bit more calm with the Chinooks. If you go up to Edmonton, usually it's just cold all the time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then just dumps the snow. Like, my parents live out there, and, yeah, no, just tons and tons of tons of snow and cold weather. My mom just hates it. She just wants to be in Hawaii or Arizona or something like that all the time. I hear that complaint a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, JT, you are a... Um, uh, you're a former CFL place kicker. You played for the Ottawa Rough Riders. You played for the Calgary Stampeders. Correct. And what do you currently do now? I've been in the residential real estate business with uh, Remax Mountain View in Calgary here for the last uh, uh, 27 years. So it's hard to believe that many years have gone by at it. But wow, uh, yeah, that is a long uh, time. Yeah, the time doesn't wait for anybody. No, no, no. That's a 20, let me just do my math in my head quickly. That would have been uh, 1991 you started? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, well, what did you do before that? Like, I know you're a kicker and everything, but um, I've known a lot of uh, CFL players that have had multiple different positions and, uh, you know, uh, careers and jobs and stuff because, um, sadly enough, a lot of CFL players do not make enough money to live on that alone, like an NHL player, NBA, or uh, even soccer players that can sometimes make $100 million for one season. Right. When I first started playing in, uh, in the CFL, I worked with the Ministry of Transport in Ontario and uh, did that for about six years. And then when I got traded to Calgary, uh, obviously knowing the Forsani brothers, uh, I worked a couple winters at the Forsani's locker room in their warehouse. And then uh, after that, I went over with uh, Grand and Toy for a few years in the office supply stationery business. And eventually uh, led me to a friend that uh, had his own real estate company who I played with, Brian Strong. And he convinced me to go get into real estate. And uh, so I decided to take a night course, get my license that way. And been at it ever since that's all right and like i'm looking around your place here very beautiful home um so <laughs> when, when did you buy this place by the way 1997 okay so yeah. when you started the, uh, the, the the real estate game uh, in 91 that kind of gave you an idea of what to look for in houses and everything and then you're seeing what you're selling to other people and then probably in your own mind you're like hey this is the kind of place i'd want no definitely and uh again uh when I did play football, I lived over in the Varsity Village area, which is a very nice community and uh, still enjoy it to this day. However, when you're just uh, playing the CFL and getting out of football, it's uh, certainly uh, an expensive area to live in. That's and definitely. we looked at around all the different options and, and what they had to offer. And then knowing some teammates that have lived in the Edgemont area, 
uh, including John Huffnagel at, at that time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just thought uh, this was an area that we felt very comfortable in. Uh -huh. We liked what the school situation was, and uh, we decided just uh, this community would be our home. Nice. Uh, where, where else did you live when you're uh, uh, living here in Calgary? Especially as a young man, probably close to the downtown area. First, first in Calgary. Uh, no, the first couple of years I lived here, uh, uh, there was a couple of other teammates that were from out of town. Also, um, Ed McElhaney, who was a defensive lineman, and Kenny Dombrowski, and John Pelissetti. Uh, the first year we had a place over in um, over in Huntington Hills that we rented. Uh, then the following two years, another player that we played with, Willie Thomas, got traded to Winnipeg. So uh, he would leave for the uh, the season, and then we would rent his place out for a couple of years. And eventually, Ed McElhaney, uh, his wife was an airline stewardess for uh, Eastern Airlines, and they decided to make Calgary home, so they bought a home. And but after a year or two, that uh, that part didn't work out, so I ended up buying a house with uh, Ed McElhaney in Ranchlands. And then um, after that, uh, when Ed's football career was over, went back back east. Um, I didn't want a house that size, so I just ended up getting a condominium over in Varsity. So uh, pretty much been all around the Northwest at that time. It was. Uh, the Northwest was quite smaller than what it is today. Most definitely, yeah. It's, it's quite populated nowadays. Um, it was a good, nice area. And lots of, you know, the shops are definitely coming in. Like, I'm in Airdrie, and I really like swinging over to uh, Cross Iron Mills. <laughs> got the Costco, got the big mall there. No, my girlfriend and I were just perfectly happy over there. Um, so you started your career with the Ottawa Rough Riders. Um, what was it like to play for a team that you grew up so close to? Like, because you grew up in Alexandria? Yes, Alexandria, Ontario, which is about... Uh, uh, about a 45-minute drive to Ottawa at that time. Uh, it's more traffic on the road now, so it's a lot busier. But, <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Uh, grew up in a rural community. Uh, Alexandria was the closest town. You know, probably a population of 3,500. So were you more of a, a like a, a town kid or kind of a country kid? Uh, country kid. Okay. Yes. yes, Alexandria was the closest town where we played all our went to high school and played uh, uh, football and hockey, and uh, and eventually after high school it ended up. Uh, going and playing with the Ottawa Sooners, who were a junior football club, mm -hmm. and at that time the junior clubs, whatever team you played for, they had your rights. So uh, at that time, the Ottawa Rough Riders had the rights. Yeah, and we would practice in the same facility as what the the Rough Riders would also, and they were certainly a huge sponsor <coughs> office. So I was very fortunate to be able to go to their training camps. At that time, uh, training camps were a lot longer and they were a charity game so they in Ottawa they called it the black and white game and what it was they split the two teams up and they always wanted an extra kicker uh, Jerry Organ being the other kicker uh, he was pretty hard to unseat so <laughs> but as a junior they always brought me in spent time in training camp so learned the ropes through them and so uh, yeah. sorry to interrupt but how old were you at this time I was uh, 18 18 wow so when it first happened was uh, when the league went on strike in 1974. Yes. I was at a high yep. school camp uh, the previous week, and uh, George Mercado, then the head coach, mm -hmm. and his first year as head coach, um, he just asked, did I want to stay around for the main camp because the players that went on strike that year. So, mm -hmm. uh, so that's where I spent my first full training camp, and ever since then, he kept inviting me back. After that first training camp, that's when I started up with the Sooners, so... Um, but yes, got to play with the likes of Conrad Holloway, uh, Tommy Clements, Tony Gabriel. So uh, certainly, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, some guys to look up to, and uh, you know, try to uh, get get uh, put your put your name in the in the roster there, and try to Definitely. remain there even. 
Definitely. Um, I, I was reading somewhere. Um, I do a little bit of research before, uh, you know, if I'm talking to anybody right. uh, besides my friends because I already know them, <laughs> so I don't even do the research. Um, you, you played a lot of sports in your, in your youth. Uh, I, I read that you played hockey. Yes. And then you also played soccer, and that's where you kind of started getting noticed for your kicking ability. Definitely, yes. I played soccer, and uh, and the league I still I played soccer in still goes to this day, and I believe it might be one of the longest running soccer leagues, if not in Ontario, maybe even the country of Canada. So wow. called the Glengarry Soccer League. So uh, soccer was a, a very uh, popular sport in the area I grew up in, yeah. and to this day, it is still very popular. Oh yeah, no, very much so in the southern Ontario area, and I think um, whereabouts you are too. Uh, it seems that a lot of those uh, colleges and universities, both secondary, um, they have such a, a you know, long history of uh, you know soccer and soccer history. Yes, they do, and uh, and even there's a, a very good development of uh, lady soccer. And at one time, uh, in the states, they made it mandatory that if you had a boys' soccer team, you had to have a girls' soccer team or whatever sport. Mm -hmm. Oh, of so, course, of whether course. it was hockey, whatever being so. And our community was very fortunate because of the caliber of uh, girls' soccer we or lady soccer at the time we had. Uh, a few of them got scholarships into the states and got a full scholarship and education out of it. So it's just a re rewarding thing for sports. Like there's a lot of people that do kind of bash the sports. You know, maybe they weren't so athletic in their their younger years. But uh, for me and a lot of my friends, I know for a fact, um, you know, sports is definitely a good way to get into education and save that money. So um, you know, like myself, I have a lot to thank for sports. Like I didn't go further my uh, education through sports. I wasn't that good. But uh, it's really nice to see through you know friends and. Um, other people to get these scholarships to get themselves an opportunity or chance. No, definitely. And even if they don't get an opportunity to go, go uh, get these scholarships, whatever, uh, I guess it's something. Uh, it, I guess any sport that you like, you got to be. Uh, if you're immersed in it, then uh, it's certainly um, not only do you play for the love of it, but you like that competition. But I think any time any team sport. And uh, both my kids are into uh, team sports. I think it's a very important learning tool for any kid uh, growing up. And it just uh, it teaches you how to c compete as a team. And it also teaches you the highs and lows. But it also socially, it uh, you get to, to know people of different surroundings than you, whether you go to school with them or just play in a community or whatever it is. I just think it's a huge learning curve, and the discipline you learn, the work ethic you learn, I think it's all, uh, it's a win-win. And you have two children, correct? Uh, yes. A boy yes. and a girl? Yes. And uh, do, what sports do they play? Uh, one is into hockey and soccer, and the other one was in hockey, but it's now uh, more interesting to get higher school marks, which is nothing wrong with <laughs> Nothing and, wrong with uh, that. Uh, just getting back into soccer. Uh, in the last two years, they both gotten into some cross country uh, uh, running competition mm -hmm. with their schools. So um, they're kind of late bloomers as far as being interested in sports, but mm -hmm. uh, they thoroughly love it and uh, thrive on it. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, like um, being your kids and like how many friends you have in sports and stuff. Right. I'm sure they get a uh, brush shoulders with all kinds of uh, you know sports giants like that. Um, are, you, are you part of their sports programs at all, like coaching or volunteer work or no, anything? No, just uh, some volunteer work. Uh, you, know, uh, you, you volunteer at casinos or, for uh, example, in girls' uh, hockey, you got to put in 10 volunteer hours. But, mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of little extra jobs along the way that you just help out with the teams where they need volunteers, whether it be the time clock, whether it be uh, handling the sweaters or whatever it is. So 
uh, being in real estate is pretty tough to make a full-time commitment to a coaching job, but uh, uh, wherever I can give a hand to, I'm certainly more than happy to uh, participate in volunteering. Oh, totally, totally. And like it was kind of the same thing with my parents when uh, you know, I was playing basketball and football. Like, a lot of long uh, <laughs> drives, especially in uh, northern Alberta, right. the closest place that we'd probably, like, sometimes we'd have to go to a tournament um, five hours away kind of thing, and in weather like this or worse. Um, Here the, the, I am complaining about playing hockey in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Oh, I man. take it back now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, going back to when you were a kid in sports, uh, so like I was, I was, uh, we discussed how you got discovered with your kicking ability in soccer. What position did you play? Or soccer, did you kind of just play all over? No, in soccer was mostly uh, a center forward. Center uh, forward? Sometimes inside, uh, inside forward. That's what they called it at that time. They got different words, terminology. You played a lot of played a lot on the wing, so certainly played in different multiple positions, mm -hmm. but mostly on the forward line. Okay, and uh, did you really think that you had uh, a future in football at all at that time when somebody came up to you and asked if you wanted to play? Uh, I guess as a kid you always dream you're watching it. Oh, uh, totally. I was very yeah. fortunate. I had uncles that were always uh, being on a rural farm and everything else. Uh, we were always kicking a ball after the cows were milked, or like we're, almost every day we'd be kicking a ball around. Mm -hmm. um, did I know anything would ever develop? Uh, no, you always had a dream that, geez, that would be sure nice to play. But yeah. I, I didn't know if it would be as a kicker, but I'd be happy as a defensive back, or which I did play in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and then in 1970, a good friend of mine that I played uh, some soccer with, even though he was f uh, four years older than me, was Ivan McMillan, who we grew up in the same side road, played in the Gary Soccer League also. He played junior football in Verdun. And then he went on to play with the Ottawa Rough Riders in 1970. And uh, Ivan would have been smaller than me, but not by that much. But yeah. uh, anyways, once he made Ottawa, I said, well, geez, that certainly gives me an opportunity if, uh, if I want to work at it mm -hmm. and dedicate myself towards it. Uh, you know, there is a chance there that maybe I can do the same thing he's doing. So he was kind of the guy that got me thinking, yes, yes, there is that possibility. And... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, his season finished in 76, and I started in 78, so mm -hmm. it would have been fun to compete. Yeah, no, most definitely. With him, but uh, we were both big supporters of each other all the yeah. way through, starting from uh, in our days when we played minor soccer together. Yeah. What, what, what did your parents uh, think about uh, you, you going into football? Because it's a bit more physical than, um, than soccer. I guess it's probably just as physical as hockey. But one, you're away from the farm, so you know I always know that uh, you know the, the dad definitely doesn't like it when uh, they lose a helping hand. Um, but yeah, like there's there's the you know not being around the farm to help. You're away, so that's probably a little bit of support in the money. And then also it's it was it was a bit dangerous back then too. You know you're getting hit by really big guys twice your size. When you're young like that, you don't really think too much about that. Of course, you don't think about it. No, no. Uh, a little bit different now. Watch my kids play sports, but. Uh, Anyway, so at that time, they've always been supportive. Anything I wanted to do in sports, uh, I was never pushed into anything. It was always mm -hmm. on my own accord that I wanted to do things. So uh, they were always willing to back me, and whatever my choices were, they were totally fine with that. Now, behind the scenes, maybe they said something different. But Fair enough. Um, as far as I know, uh, they would be at every game I was ever at, whether it was soccer, hockey, football, whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever they could attend, they, was, they were certainly there. Awesome. Oh, that's great. My dad was really big into football, too. Um, 
he he grew up in Edmonton, so he was a big Eskimos fan, and you know, therefore I can all understand of, that all of his kids were. <laughs> uh, but he's actually the same age as you, um, so he was telling me, you know, his days of playing, and he was a middle linebacker, and he's not very tall. He's about five foot eight now. <laughs> uh, obviously, when you get older, you shrink a little bit. Yes, uh, but he was um, a defensive all star. I can't remember. I think he was played. He, yeah, he played for the North of Edmonton because they would have like a North versus South all star right. game. And he was defensive all-star, his middle linebacker. And then he had uh, five kids. Three of them are boys. So there's my oldest brother, Kevin, who's middle linebacker. And then my brother, Michael, was a middle linebacker. And then I was a defensive tackle. <laughs> and I broke the chain. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. It was just because I was much taller and bigger. Right. They wanted me on that, you know, that in, in the trenches there. But then one game, we had uh, one of our middle linebackers missing. So then I got to fill that role in the first play. Boom, loss of yards. Second play, sack. So it's just like <laughs> you're going to play that position from now here here on you know here on in. So I was very happy about that. I was so relieved. It was just it was so much better, and I just loved doing the pass coverage and the rush too. So, like you know, it's 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 it's, it's nice when you have parents that support uh, you know your they're their kids in sports and. They even show up to see the games or they help out. So definitely, and then you do see a lot of kids out there where the parents aren't around or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there's always a soft spot for those kids that are out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, but overall, in all my experiences, it has been pretty good with our kids playing. That their parents are out there supporting them. So definitely, definitely. Um, so you get picked up by the Ottawa Rough Riders. You have a very good first season. Uh, from, what I, from, what I, from what I read and everything, got a lot of field goals, and uh, then you get traded to Calgary. Now, what I've read, I couldn't remember the guy's name, but he he only played four more games in the CFL, and he didn't play for the, for the Rough Riders at all, and then you come to Calgary, and then you just establish yourself as a stampeder from there on in. Um, how was that for you, just moving that far away from home and your family? Right. Uh, I was excited. Because you would have been around 18 or 19 at that time, too, yeah? Uh, 22. Okay. 22. Yeah, I had finished junior. Oh, so you're probably uh, stoked to get away. <laughs> uh, yes, I enjoyed Ottawa. I would have loved to have stayed in Ottawa. But at that time, uh, when I got my break with the Rough Riders, Jerry Organ was the place kicker for Ottawa mm -hmm. for several years. I'm very successful at it. Then he had a business, a, a gymnasium set up similar to what a World's or whatever it would be. Uh, it was called the Ottawa Athletic Club. Mm -hmm. And... Business-wise, was taking a lot of time, and football was cutting into it, so he retired for that year, and that gave me my in in Ottawa. So, But after one year, uh, he was itching to get back, so uh, at that time, Brancato had two kickers, myself and Jerry Organ, so one has to go. So, And with Jerry's previous experience in Ottawa, and the guy that was head coach out here was Jack Gotta, who previously uh, was in Ottawa as a head coach, and... Uh, uh, I remember being at the high school camp with uh, Jack also. So, and uh, when the opportunity came, when Cyril McFall left to go to the NFL or make an attempt at the NFL, yeah. um, uh, Jack was looking for a kicker. And uh, believe it or not, uh, Jack was at a banquet. Now I don't know if it was in Edmonton, Red Deer, or whatever, but Dave Cutler was at the same um, same head table dinner that night, and. Uh, this is Dave Cutler tells me. Anyways, uh, Jack was talking to Dave, and he says, uh, I really need a kicker. Do you know where I should go and get one? And uh, Dave Cutler said, get the kid out of Ottawa. Yeah, no. okay. Uh, and, did did yeah. you and Dave know each other beforehand? Not beforehand, but we've met several times since and yeah. been at a couple uh, charity dinners together and everything else. So, uh, But he was the one who put the word in for me, and uh, strange as things go, then I was... Um, 
that year, George Reed and the CFL Players Association had, uh, this is before I got traded, in the springtime, they had a CFL Players Association Awards evening. And, mm -hmm. uh, so I was the top scorer in the Eastern Conference that year, so I was invited out. And, and at this dinner, I'm s seated with all the media from Calgary. And then uh, Jocko comes over and starts talking and whispers in my ears, don't worry, you'll be, you'll be out here this summer. So <laughs> I knew, but I couldn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, so. you're a bit excited, you're a bit happy. Maybe a few so, more drinks were flowing that after that. <laughs> no, definitely. And that's where I got to meet Ray Nettles and uh, uh, who was the other linebacker? Uh, Danny Kepley. Yeah. So. Kepley, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was quite an introduction to the... To the CFL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you say Dave Cutler. That was my dad's favorite kicker for the Eskimos, uh, for obvious reasons. That was the the years that he was, you know, a younger man, but still loved them so much. And I tell him, you know, I'm more of a Sean Fleming guy, but that's because right. I grew up with him. Right. Uh, so, yeah. But I think I've got this. Um, there was a, a few years ago when I was in junior high that came out, the CFL came out with these CFL Traditions DVDs. Right. And I, so I picked up the Eskimos one. So they have the Eskimo where they talk to all the the, uh, the former Edmonton Eskimos and interview them and have some fun stories and they give, go through the history of the team and the organization and then on the other side you watch throughout the CFL and they give you the, C the history of the CFL and everything. And it's a very good DVD. But um, so I remember seeing like, you know, interviews with Dave Cutler and Tommy Joe Coffey and Jackie Parker and all those guys. Right. So that, that's a lot. Those, those last two <laughs> names are before your time, that's for sure. <laughs> that's like when you're a kid, kid. Um, but yeah, Dave Cutler, I remember him one story he's saying, uh, there was a, I think it was a, like the first three or four games or something like that. He couldn't make a one point convert after a touchdown. Like he was missing everything, and I think it was the story how it goes is Jackie Parker goes up to him and it's like, uh, don't be sorry if you miss one more, uh, you're on a bus, you know. And he's like, oh, I don't think I missed a one point convert after that. And I was reading up a fun stat about you. You didn't miss a one-point convert ever in your career with the Calgary Stampeders. I'm not sure about the Rough Riders. I couldn't get into that information. Right. But with the um, the Stampeders, you didn't miss one at all. And I think there was somewhere like 319. It was somewhere around that number. Yeah. With Ottawa and uh, Calgary uh, never missed a convert in CFL. Now, I, I know a lot of people look at it. It's like uh, you're kicking off, what was it, the five-yard line, the ten-yard line? Well, I guess, I guess they're lining up off that yard line. So you'd be about the 15 or 20? Uh, be the 17-yard line. Yeah. So a lot of people look at that and it's like, oh, that's just a chip shot. But, you know, you know, you got wind, you got weather, like especially <laughs> in Canada, um, you know, maybe you have a like, uneven turf, all that kind of stuff. Like, and you, like, did you know in the back of your mind throughout your career that you didn't miss one and that you kept going and going and going? Like, what, what do further, you do when you go and you, like, you have a 100% record kind of so far? Further on, um, you got to count yourself blessed with a good center and a good holder. Yeah, no doubt. That, yeah, of course, of course. And, you got to have a line that blocks for you all the time. So um, I was probably one of the quickest that ever got a field goal off from a center to a holder, uh, timing-wise. Mm -hmm. Well, that's Gen important. Generally around the 1, 1. 1.1. Um, probably the average is around 1.2, 1. 1.3. Uh, doesn't sound like much, but that's the time from the ball snapped to it's kicked. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so... Yeah, it's strange. 1.2, you're pretty safe, but at 1.3, 1.4, it's a good chance of getting blocked. So, yeah. Um, again, um, a lot of different elements. I remember this one I kicked, uh, um, Tom Reimer was holding for me. I think it was in Winnipeg, really windy, gusty day. And then, uh, yeah, he just got the ball and he just let his hands go and I had to kick the ball. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, there's a lot of luck that was involved. No kidding. In yeah. It. yeah, yes. And, Again, sometimes um, 
Again, you got to credit your holders because they got to get the ball down, even if it's a snap that's behind you or whatever. Oh so, yeah. Um, yeah. So I've always been pretty, pretty well blessed. Now I've had several centers and I had several holders, but uh, when you had a team that was transient like ours was in the '80s, yeah, um, that's the way it goes. So. Well, yeah, like the center's got to you know snap the ball and have that good rotation and good line uh, to the place uh, to the the, uh, the placer there. And then he lines it up for you in case it's off a little bit. Definitely. So that, that, when you're saying that 1.2 seconds, like, whoa, that's that's a lot of you know, that's a lot of pieces. That's not just yes. you worrying about. Right. That's a lot of pieces together. And then if you screw up, it's your fault, right? Definitely. <laughs> well, you take the blame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't, uh, then it's a short career. And then <laughs> like, how does it go? Sometimes like I'm not sure like of the highlights that you might have been through because you know CFL and then back in the '80s we don't have that much information of uh, on YouTube and stuff. But was there ever a point you see it in highlights for CFL and NFL nowadays and even like back in the '90s and stuff? But there'd be the point where. Uh, the snap would be muddled up or whatever, but you still think you're kicking, and yes. then they pull it away, and maybe they want they're like, like oh, we can't get the kickoff, so we're gonna go throw it. Like, how do you react? Cause you're you're going, you're lining up, you're you're moving. So uh, yeah, I guess it's just uh, <laughs> you got to be prepared for anything, and uh, you know, once you see the quarterback taking off, then yeah. <laughs> the first thing you do is put your head up and uh, <laughs> try to block. <laughs> usually at that time, it's too late for me to block anyways, because the quarterback is gone. So, yeah, yeah. Um, did that ever happen to you a few times? Or? Oh, I had it once where the holder couldn't get the ball down. He got tackled, and I was just kind of standing there. Then he throws the ball at me, so then oh, sh- <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, and uh, strangely enough, with that game, I knew it was second down, and uh, there was only about 20 seconds left, so we decided to go for the field goal on second down in case there was a screw-up. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, went back and kicked it, and we won the game. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> Again, you just got to be alert, and I guess that's the way football is, or any sports is. Um, quick to think, that's why you guys are you professionals, quick right? To think. It's, uh, you got to be ready for the unexpected at mm-hmm. all times, too, and uh, um, it doesn't matter how good of a team you are. Uh, I think we've seen it in this year's uh, Grey Cup. You see it in the NFL and the Super Bowls. Uh, when you get down to a sudden-death game, one little slip, one mistake, and momentum changes around, and... Um, if you're ready for the unexpected, then. Uh, but I've seen great teams uh, lose just on a bad turnover or whatever, and you see it all the time. And oh and, man, like and, last and, few years in the Super Bowl, one yard oh, line and they Super the, Bowls, the, the, the CFL, <laughs> uh, the Great Cups. Uh, yeah. But that's the excitement when you get to a sudden death game. Is the team with the least amount of mistakes and turnovers generally uh, come out the winner? Truly, yeah. yeah. No, if you if you watch those, then you're you're pretty much golden. You know, like it's always the fumbles and the interceptions that. Costly interceptions, or just you know sometimes turnover on downs—a bad call by the coach. Oh, or, totally, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Just takes that one little play and turns the game around, and, and it's tough. I find that uh, you know for Canadian football and American football, like it's really a un- like a team effort. Like yeah, hockey—you know—you got six guys in the ice on each side, but you know football, like you miss a, a block, you miss you know a, the footing here or something like that, or you're not holding the ball right, you know, and you lose it. That can just turn the game around completely. Totally. Or even a bad flag or something like that. No, and totally. And I think, uh, and that's the thing about football. Uh, you have 12 men on the field and everyone's got a job to do. And, and if they don't or want a little breakdown, it's uh, uh, the results can be pretty negative. And then some teams in the Grey Cup have a 13th man on the field. That's right. <laughs> and not to their benefit. No, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, this isn't the first time that you've really been a, a Calgary supporter. Um, Calgary was quite a dominant team. Um, 
like definitely my dad's youth, so your youth as well, and they came out to a few great cups in the East, in the Eastern uh, teams like Toronto and Hamilton and stuff, and Hamilton was such a dominant team as well. Uh, did you go to any great cups when you were younger? No, no, I didn't go to a great cup until uh, 1979, which would have been my first year in, um, in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone to three or four since then when I did play. Mm-hmm. But in the last 10 years here, and it was 2008, we, uh, we've uh, started the National Alumni Association. Very cool. Uh, well, that, that was part of the, the, the group that came to that um, National on 10th event? Were, uh, were a few of you guys part of that association? Uh, uh, yes, there were, there, were, there were alumni, Calgary Alumni Association. Mm-hmm. But uh, now if you're a member of the Calgary Alumni Association, you're also a member of the CFL National Alumni Association. So That's not too uh, bad to be part of? No, so we've got nine groups, and uh, hopefully we'll add another one here soon, the Atlantic Schooners or whatever it may be. Oh, yeah, I, I, heard, uh, I heard the the Halifax explosion possibly. Possibly, <laughs> so they do have a... With some humor, that'd be all right, Nate, right, but I'm not sure how many people would like that. <laughs> but there is a good base of players, CFL players, that are in the, on the East Coast right now that live there, and... You know, they played their uh, university careers there, St. Mary's, oh, St. Francis. Dalhousie, uh, yeah. even you go yeah. further north, you got St. FX as well. Um, Bruce Beaton, tremendous all-star offensive lineman yes. at the, yes, the Edmonton Eskimos, sure. and he's from, I believe he's from Dartmouth. I can't remember exactly, but he went to he went to Acadia. Um, but yeah, like there's lots of football out there, and like I, I, honestly, I'm surprised that it hasn't you know started up years ago. Um, it, I, it, obviously, it's the sponsorship and the population, um, but. It's just, you look at it, and there's such a strong football history in Halifax alone. Definitely, and, uh, and uh, another stat that I hear, too, is that football is growing more rapidly in, uh, in minor football in Quebec than what minor hockey is. So. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised either. Like every, so Almost every year you see a, right. a, a Quebec team in there, whether it's Laval or um, uh, drawn a blank with these other teams, too. Montreal, uh, yeah, Queens. No. Uh, uh, you got bishops. They they've all been solid teams oh, for many many man. years. So who's Mochocha coaching for these days? Uh, University of Montreal. University yes. of Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's where he played uh, before. So it's pretty tight with them and Laval right now. So, uh, mm-hmm. but again, there's a lot of you get all you get the Western Conference here. You got some very good uh, university teams. Uh, uh, you have it in uh, Western Ontario, Eastern Ontario, Quebec, and then mm-hmm. you also got the Maritimes. So, uh, so it's. Uh, Yes, there, there's uh, there's a lot of hotbeds there, and I think uh, I know they're doing the feasibility studies now in um, in the Halifax area, where it would be the best place if you were to get a team. Mm-hmm. What's the best facility facility to build and everything else? So hopefully, um, uh, it'd be nice to see a tenth team and uh, balance the conferences out. Oh man, it'd be so much right. better. Like right. there's so many times where I see the Edmonton uh, the Eskimos cross over to the, the Eastern Conference there for the playoffs. And it wasn't this great cup, but this great cup before. I was really hoping that uh, Edmonton would have beat Ottawa, and then we could have had a Calgary versus Edmonton right. showdown. In the great cup. showdown. Oh my yeah, goodness, that would have been something else. <laughs> that would have been this absolutely fantastic to see. I think that'd be the only time where somebody'd be like, "All right, we're excited to go to the do the crossover game." But right. it would be nice to have a balanced league for once. Um, you know, I'm not sure how balanced it was when we had all the American expansion teams going in there. Um, it was kind of interesting, but it was kind of a mess too. I think that that time the CFL just wanted to get some more teams, whatever. It was more of a band-aid approach, mm-hmm. and it certainly didn't work and didn't last very long. But uh, the benefit coming out of that was uh, Baltimore moved to Montreal, and Montreal has been a very successful franchise, and mm-hmm. they reignited themselves. And playing out of McGill Stadium, 
I think they see about 25,000 now, so um, I think Montreal has some issues to deal with at this point in time, from what I hear, generally, but uh, oh yeah, no. but I think they're um, they're getting their pieces back together. And well, they're such a dominant team throughout the you know the two thousands, you know, up until like about five years ago or so. And unfortunately, they never had a replacement for Cavillo when no. he retired, and, and that uh, was another benefit from the expansion in the United States because yes. I believe he played for the Posse for a couple yes, of years. Las Vegas Posse. Yeah. Then he ended up at Hamilton, struggled a bit, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal picked him up, and he got to learn under Tracy Ham. And, yeah, uh, and that's and a good mentor to have, that's very, for sure. Very good mentor, and it certainly improved itself. And uh, Cavillia went on to be one of the all-time great passers oh, of our league. So yeah, right up there with uh, Again, you know, sometimes through that expansion, it gave uh, Cavillia an opportunity to get into the game and mm-hmm. at a pro level. And, uh, you know, he took it from there and uh, made a great career. No, totally, totally. And... Um, what was it like to be on the road some of these some of these trips? Because uh, you know, again, CFL not a whole lot of money. Were you guys busing a lot of the times? Maybe if you're going to the states, you'd right. fly. Uh, no, we flew. The only time I ever bus playing in the CFL is when I played in Ottawa. Okay. And we played in Montreal, so it was only a two-hour bus ride. So okay. Uh, just down the four seventeen. So uh, today, I believe Calgary, uh, they drive up to Edmonton and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you got to be there an hour and a half before at an airport. So and now that Edmonton doesn't have that uh, inner city airport, no, it's out no. of the Duke. So there's another hour drive just yeah. to get to the stadium. So um, it's just as easy and more convenient to take the bus up. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, definitely. No. Outside of that, I think that's the only busing. T- I think I, Edmonton bus down here also. So, uh, but other than that, that was the only busting bus Sorry. trips. So ever since being in Calgary, we've always uh, we flew to every town. When they did you, how many times did you play against these expansion teams? Like, did you go to the states to play them? I, I was done playing at that time. I believe expansion was. Oh, in that 90, was in the nineties. Yeah, early nineties, and I had finished in. Because I think Baltimore 80s. won in ninety four. Maybe uh, that was too late. No, I'm gonna be there. Ninety four? No, I believe it was ninety five. The Great Cup was in Saskatchewan that year, and Calgary played oh, in it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the year before, uh, BC beat mm-hmm. Baltimore. Correct. I believe it might yeah. have been overtime. Was it? Oh, I don't know. Or I last. Don't. Last play a game or something. <laughs> I was hoping to bingo off of your, your knowledge there. Um, yeah, the, the expansion era was just a little bit be, before where I got started because I was born in 89. So the when I started really following the Eskimos, it's probably about 99 and on. Right. So, yes. yeah, that was about the time. But we always had the, the CFL highlights and the you know, VHS tapes and all that kind of stuff. You know, the CFL bloopers and whatnot. It's, right. It's hilarious. Sometimes I'll just text my brother, you know, like a, a line from the show and We'll just know what he's talking about. You know, in went John Conjemi, out went John Conjemi. <laughs> but third stringer knew where to find some points. Um, <laughs> getting back to the sense here. Um, so, uh, you, were, you were talking about uh, the, the Calgary Stampeders Alumni Association? Yes. Yeah, and then we kind of got trailed off and talking about the East Coast and uh, post-secondary uh, teams. Continue um, uh, with that, sorry. Yes, uh, so what happens now is we are a national alumni, and uh, we're top of going to great cups. So ever since 2008, I've been going to great cups, and but that is where we have our AGM now for mm-hmm. our National Alumni Association. So uh, uh, so basically, uh, we have this Legends Luncheons Dinner now that's on the great cup program, and that's at Friday. Uh, so this last year was in Ottawa. We had over 120 alumni. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, some being in Ottawa, but others that are coming in from different parts. Uh, a lot of them would have played for Ottawa or one of their teams at the time. So uh, it's always a great reunion, um, and especially the way the CFL is today. Um, 
you can end up playing for three or four different teams. Oh, totally. In your career, so uh, what alumni are you really affiliated with? But when you get to these great cups, uh, everybody's got stories to tell. Mm -hmm. Who were the great coaches? Who were the terrible coaches? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Who were the great guys? Who were the uh, not so great guys or friendly guys? Whatever, you, however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but we've been fortunate here in Calgary. We have very strong alumni, as they do in Edmonton, and. Uh, you know, that always all goes back to Herm Harrison, George uh, Hansen, guys who have kept our alumni going. Uh, so uh, it's been good. We have our annual golf tournament every year, and uh, so we have a lot of fun. The football club treats us well. And, um, no, and anytime we can all get together and shoot the breeze. Yeah. Uh, our stories do get a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, with a few, a few drinks too, most likely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Or you want to just keep talking, you know, because you have a drink in front of you. Like, well, what else can I think of here for a story? Have they heard that one before? <laughs> yes, and then uh, the next story gets longer, though. <laughs> um, you, you wore number two for your entire career? Uh, number five in Ottawa and number two all in Calgary, yes. Uh, why number two? When I played hockey, I always wore number two. Okay. And uh, when I got to Ottawa, Tommy Clements was wearing number two, so I wasn't going to get that one. Nope, that's fair. Uh, they gave me number five, so whenever I got to Calgary, uh, first exhibition game, I got here for two exhibition games. They gave me number three, and then uh, uh, whenever uh, the roster was named, so I asked the equipment manager, do you have a number two? And he says, yes, I do. Okay. So is it all right if I wear that number? And he said, absolutely. So uh, I wore that number ever since. And is that... Number uh, been put up at the wall in McMahon? Uh, no. no. No, it hasn't. Oh, no. well, fingers crossed. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, what else I got here? <sighs> Sorry, just going through my notes. Right, um, oh, I'm letting the, lesson, letting the listeners know, too, because they can't see me. <laughs> um, oh, man. I'm kind of jumping around here with all these different things. So what were like the road trips like uh, in the 80s there? I imagine that you'd stay overnight for maybe a day or two because, you know, like you, you play one game a week typically and then you have a bit, you, you know, I wouldn't imagine they want to rush you maybe unless you had a really terrible game that we're going back to the stadium yeah. and having some, you know, crazy practices. But, you know, you go to Vancouver, you go to Edmonton, you go to, um, you know, go to Winnipeg or something like that. I imagine you stay for a couple of days. Uh, depending on the time of the day, uh, if we played day games, then uh, most likely we flew in the day before. At that time, they wanted you in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're as strict on that now, but uh, when I played, you had to be there 24 hours, and you generally had to practice mm -hmm. the day before the game. No, it was mostly a rundown, a very short one. Now, if, you know, for example, if we're playing Montreal a night game, you, we'd fly out first thing in the morning, practice in Montreal, uh, generally because the games wouldn't be finished till 10, 10.30 by the time you packed up and not a lot of flights would fly out after 11, yep. 11 p.m. at those times. So uh, evening uh, games, we generally stayed overnight and uh, even in Vancouver, it wouldn't matter where it was, but uh, if it was an afternoon game, then we generally flew back pretty much right after the game. Oh, that's a bit of a bummer. <laughs> it would be, especially when you played Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were some of the... Uh, like, what, what were some of your favorite cities to play in? Ottawa was always, so I always enjoyed going back to Ottawa, see a lot of your friends. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Montreal also, uh, where I grew up, was an hour's drive each way. Okay, to yeah. see a game in Montreal or a game in Ottawa, so it was, it was right in the middle. Um, Vancouver is always a fun place to play in. Um, for some reason, there was always people that were retired that grew up in my community or 
had friends that lived out in that area, oh, okay. and they would make it uh, make it a point. Well, it definitely was a booming city at that point. The Did, 80s was really surging, yeah, for sure. Definitely. So uh, I would say Ottawa, Montreal, and uh, Vancouver are probably the, the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever, again, the research, it was okay, but not the best. Did you ever play in a Grey Cup? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Uh, my first year in the league in 78. Yeah. Uh, Ottawa, we went to the uh, Eastern Final. Mm-hmm. Got beat out by Montreal that year. I think it was 22-16 the score. Um, I can be corrected on that. I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I got traded to Calgary. And um, that year we got to the Western Final against Edmonton. And... Uh, that was Edmonton's, uh, that would have been 79. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Edmonton's dynasty started in 78, so unfortunately. That would have been Wilkinson as quarterback, Wilkinson, I think. yes. And yeah, then and then Damon. And, and uh, yeah, they had, a, they had a few good quarterbacks that came. So right, yeah. um, unfortunately for Calgary, as good as we were then, um, Edmonton was just superior at that time. And it was just yeah. it was just the exact same thing with the Flames. The Oilers, like the Flames, were such a dominant team until they played Edmonton for the most part. Like obviously there was, it went back and forth a couple times, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's a bummer. It was, it was a shame because <laughs> the Western Final was generally the Grey Cup game. So yeah, no, but, really. But, uh, I mean that's the way sports goes, and uh, mm-hmm. um, it was strange because well, Ottawa had an experienced team. And when I got to Calgary, we had a very young team, but uh, it was a young team that gelled quickly. And uh, yeah. but unfortunately, we just uh, couldn't get by Edmonton at that time. Well, it's just you know the way it goes sometimes, and like I guess, yeah, sports goes too. It, it could almost be boring kind of seeing the same team in the in the final over and over again. Like we haven't really seen that in our sports. Um, I guess CFL is one of the few leagues that you can just because of the number of teams, but like. NFL, I guess, with the Patriots, but you know NHL. It, it's been kind of different teams throughout the time, and like to see like the Pittsburgh right. Penguins, you know, back to back. That hasn't happened since the Detroit Red Wings. So no, exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's just tougher and tougher now with salary caps. Yeah, and, and the free agency getting younger yeah. and younger. Um, yeah. And I think I just read not too long ago, uh, and I mean this week I read it that one of the faults of the CFL is all these one-year contracts now. Uh, fans can't really relate to the team because there's so much movement and transient mm-hmm. that whereas before in the days that I played if you started with Calgary there's a good chance you were going to end in Calgary or play multiple uh, years off your career with the same team mm-hmm. you know, again towards winding down maybe a, you get a year or two like maybe a Charleston Hughes going to Saskatchewan now Yes. Um, I mean Calgary certainly would love to have him but you got three younger defensive linemen that are very good. Uh, what does the team do? Uh, but I mean, Charleston Hughes gave us ten great years, but most fans and you can relate to Charleston. He is a stampeder, but there. Are, uh, but looking at hockey now, I see in the NHL, and not to go back and forth, but no, I'm it's fine. We, we like talking about our sports, <laughs> and we we go off the rails sometimes. Right, talking about right. else, so, so feel free. But what I see is um, teams can't afford to keep their players once it gets. To a certain level, and I mean, oh, I, I, Edmonton I, with I, a, a Darius Bowman, you know, one of the best receivers right, in the league, right. and he, they had to drop him because they couldn't afford him anymore. With bonuses too, it's just so. I think once the salaries get so high that all of a sudden, how do you keep all your other guys? So yeah. if you want to build some depth, you got to try and keep even on salaries. So you really got to rely on your scouting system. To Almost have that. definitely, and yeah. I think that's where Calgary's been very successful, and. I don't know if they follow what New England does, but they kind of run the similar 
and they're always able to pull some athletes out that can't get going in one city, but they can pull them into another and, and turn in and have some very good seasons. So, uh, but Calgary, they, uh, again, they would like to keep Charleston Hughes, but for salary cap reasons, they couldn't do it. They would like to keep Tommy Campbell, but they're not going to blow the budget on one player to, well, to like, sell him short in another. So, yeah, I almost feel bad talking about this because I think it's just ridiculous. Um, but you got, uh, you know, um, Johnny Manziel, he was thinking about coming in. And I'm not sure what it, like, I think the asking price is almost a million for him to come play or maybe more. And to have a quarterback that wasn't even that good in the NFL to come up and take that much of your cap, why even bother? Like, they had... No, that would just, uh, you just can't afford to pay quality football players to support. And, uh, yeah, I know he wanted to start around 500000 is what I heard. Or oh, okay. He wanted to be okay. the top paid, but I'm sure there'd be bonuses and everything else. Uh, what the final numbers would be, I got no idea. Mm-hmm. But um, you're an unproven commodity in our league, and we've seen it before, where some big names from the states have come up here to play the quarterback position and bombed right out. So yep. uh, we're two different leagues, two different styles. Because um, you're successful in one doesn't mean you're going to be successful in the other. Oh, exactly. And that goes both ways. I mean, we've had some quarterbacks try to go to the States and Ricky Ray. Uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> it doesn't rate, but a great CFL quarterback. Yeah. Uh, oh, fantastic. One of the best I'd say. However, you got a guy like Warren Moon that's in a hall of fame in the CFL and a uh, hall of fame in the NFL. Yes, so, sir. Yeah. uh, just a tremendous athlete. And, and, uh, so, I mean, I mean, Dickinson has tried, Tommy Clements has tried and, uh, Doug Flutie, he had a resurgence, but mm-hmm. uh, he was out of football and the CFL gave him a second shot and, Got that confidence, and he was able to get another two, three years in the NFL. And <laughs> yeah, a little and, back and forth, back and forth. But did quite successful in his last attempt there. Oh yeah, I don't think you go on and on with a lot of those guys. And you know, we get a lot of guys that you know have one or two years in the NFL, and they end up coming back. Um, you know, like what am I thinking here? Uh, uh, how frick? <laughs> Say the name, I can help you. <laughs> Tucker, Chris Tucker. No. He was the receiver for the Eskimos. He played a little bit, I believe, in Dallas. And then he played in uh, Edmonton for many, many years. And it's, it's like, you got Darcy Tucker that played for the Leafs in <laughs> hockey. Tucker's in sports. And then you got Chris Tucker, who's the comedian. Yeah. And then you have, oh, man. And I was just thinking about him the other day. And I, I this is bad, but he was one of my favorite right. receivers when I was young because he was just always so dominant. Anyway. <laughs> but, but I think it's just... Uh, it's just a situation where you got to be at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. You have to have the right coach that coaches what your strengths are. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Calgary could be good. I'm just saying Calgary, for example, you got the right structure. You know who your coach is, mm-hmm. your assistant, so you build your team around what your coaching staff likes. But if you were to come in with a whole different type style coach, <laughs> and this maybe it's a team that can't even make those adjustments, so... Um, you know, why is one coach successful one place and terrible in the next place? So Yeah. Well, then, you know, not even that, but uh, you get uh, a player that's playing a different position. Then he comes, so like Kerry Joseph, who came from uh, the Seattle Seahawks, the NFL to the CFL, and then he's uh, he was a strong safety in the NFL. Right. And then he, they put him at quarterback, and he's just and dominant. Quarterback, and uh, yeah. at that time, they wouldn't want to, wouldn't let them play in the NFL mm-hmm. at quarterback. And then he comes to our league, and... Uh, Ends up winning a great cup. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and again, just another phenomenal athlete that that's uh, played the game. But you got to be at the right place, the right situation, 
It was Jason Tucker. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Be patient. Yeah. It'll come back. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think so many times is I'll be listening to a podcast and, you know, my friends or uh, other podcasts will be talking about something. And it's like, oh, like, I can't think of the word right now or the hockey player or something oh, like that. I'm totally. like, it's that. It's that. Why can't you hear me? <laughs> um, well, we we're, were talking about um, the other things that might be problems with. The CFL, like what? What else do you think might be uh, issues with the, the CFL at the moment that you think uh, that could be easily changed? Uh, it seems that we've gone a better way with the the commissioner. Our commissioner seems a lot better now than the, the previous one. I forget the previous commissioner's name, but this guy seems Jerry a lot Aldridge better. Jerry was the previous Randy Ambrosi denying uh, concussions problems right. with the CFL and stuff. Right. Like, uh, oh man, like what are you doing? I'm a strong supporter of the the new commissioner, Randy Ambrosi. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Randy's a, a First round draft pick of the Stampeders, I believe, in '84. Oh, okay. So, uh, a little bit of biasness. <laughs> Randy, right off the, very passionate about the CFL game and very passionate about business. And uh, uh, in life, after football, during football, and after football, he uh, he did very well. And um, I think I like what he's doing. He's open. He's uh, giving fans a voice. He's listening to people, um, and I think that might have been um, part of the CFL's problems. This uh, upper levels not listen to what the fan wants, or mm-hmm. um, now what the fan wants, and can it all be obtained? I mean, someone at earlier starts of the season. Well, uh, you got to deal with advertisers. You got to deal with TV rights. Like it's just not that easy that you yeah. jump into. Yeah. Had we had an earlier season this year, the weather was worse in October than it was in November here. So Truly, yeah. Um, like it really, the weather wasn't really that crazy uh, until the Great Cup. <laughs> so whether that's a good thing or not to move the schedule, uh, if you move the schedule earlier, then you compete with the N- uh, NHL playoffs. Mm-hmm. You're competing with the start of baseball. You're competing with basketball. So um, where are you going to get your exposure? So it's a delicate situation, and I, I can understand where... People say, oh, yeah, it'd be great, but there's still no guarantee that the weather's going to be great better in October than it is in November. How so, many preseason games are there? There's two or one? Uh, there's two. Originally okay. there was four, but now there's yeah, two. Yeah, no, that's, that's a bit uh, too much. Uh, two, so um, so I think uh, I think we're starting around the middle of June this year, but um, again, I've been to Grey Cup games, and the weather's been totally fine uh, come the big day of the game, so... I know there's two games in October here in Calgary this year that hardly anybody in the stands because of the wind and the cold and oh, the rain. Right. So, yeah, same thing with Edmonton. It can uh, be brutal. Uh, but anyways, for all the playoff dates for the home games, they were all good. I know it snowed in Ottawa for the Grey Cup game, but I've seen NFL games play too where it's snowing. And Well, geez, like again, you go through the history of the CFL and you had the Fog Bowl, you had the Mud right. Bowl, you had all these different... Um, I, and even with Grey Cups uh, or playoff games with Edmonton, I remember hearing a fun story about Gizmo Williams um, I went to school in uh, Grimshaw High, and we actually had him come up a few times, and right. Willie okay. Pless as well, and right. Benny Goods. And Gizmo used to tell us one story where, where he just loved the cold in Canada. Like, he loved it. I think he's from Mississippi or Missouri, one of them. And he loved it in Canada when it got cold because he just hosed down his jersey in, in water, and right. then it would freeze, so then nobody could really get a good grip <laughs> on him. And then he put some uh, nails at the bottom of his shoes so we get an extra grip from the cleats and stuff. So right. uh, it like. You just got to embrace it, you know. It's Canada. It's going to be cold sometimes. And it, it makes the the game interesting. Like, I've always loved, you know, the idea of um, football football games being outdoors opposed to indoors. Because indoors, 
you know, you have no real variations. Like, it's a true skill game. Like, if you're a kicker or a quarterback or whatever, if you can throw the ball when it's windy and try to complete it, it makes it a bit more interesting. Like, I know you're not going to be the, the greatest showing of yourself, maybe, but to adapt to it, you know, like, uh, it, that, that's the coach, too. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to do more of a run game today? Oh, totally. You know? Totally changes uh, the elements of the game. Uh, but it's strange, Montreal has... Uh, had a covered stadium, uh, but couldn't draw fans there. Toronto has it, couldn't draw fans there. Mm-hmm. BC, they got to cover half the, the, the stadium. BC even got a stadium and they get, what, 20, 25. So all these cities with the stadiums in it, they don't generate that much. Now you look at Montreal, they're going back to an outdoor stadium. Toronto's gone back to an outdoor mm-hmm. stadium. So, And a lot of fans like to be out in the elements. Um, I mean, that's what football is. Yeah, uh, I look what to do in the states. I mean, I see the Green Bay Packers playing a home game in January, and it's with the wind chill, it's minus sixty, but they're sold out. Oh, so, they're sold out. They, they, uh, it's, like, it's like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Right, the NFL. sold out. So I mean, uh, people go sco- skiing. It's minus ten, but you're dressed for it. It's not cold. They mm-hmm. enjoy it. So if it's an outdoor game, I you, you just dress for the elements. So totally. Um, but it's like anything else. If you want to have fun, you want to support. Um, you make it fun, you're going to make it fun. But mm-hmm. um, I know today we're spoiled with a big TV and a lot of bars. And the other thing is you don't have blackouts anymore. Where in my day you had blackouts unless the yeah. stadium was filled out. So um, now with TSN, the, their ratings, uh, a lot of people are watching the games. They're just watching them at home and not at the stadium. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and as a result, I think you're starting to see smaller stadiums around the 25,000 mark. Yes. But all of a sudden now they're starting to be sold out because people want to be at that event. And well, yeah. And, like, what's the capacity at McMahon here? Uh, I believe it's 33.5. Okay. That's a nice Commonwealth's a huge stadium, that's for right. sure. And whenever I go, it's definitely over 30,000. Definitely. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like 30 there, but... No, but it's uh, just so uh, huge. <laughs> it's so huge. And But, again, if you've got a quality team and... You look how Ottawa markets that team. They're sold out mm-hmm. every game at twenty five thousand. But people are going to the event. They're having fun. They're. Uh, um, I think if any of the league's got to do is work on their marketing, probably more than anything else. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Have to market. How do you get that young fan interested? How do you get that young fan started? Mm-hmm. Um, is there any special ticket promotions league wise the league can do to get? kids start coming to the game because once the kid starts coming to the game they got to bring their dad and then all of a sudden we don't want the end zone seats anymore we want a better seat and mm-hmm. all of a sudden that's your fan for the next 40 50 years so, exactly so uh um but i think we missed a generation of fans over the years mm-hmm. and so trying to get them back is uh what the key is and again when people go to the game they want to have fun it's an event it's it's not just a game it's it's a social social gathering, also. Totally, no, no. It's it's a great way to you know talk to you know the fans around. I remember my first game I got to see live. I think it was about nine, maybe yeah nine or ten I think, and I got to go with my uncle, and it was a Rough Riders versus Eskimos game. And now the Rough Riders, whenever it's an Alberta home game, like whether it's Calgary or uh, Edmonton, it's almost half and half with Rough right. Rider fans, <laughs> um, and. We were just having a great time, and it was a friendly competition. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, Rough Riders when they score a touchdown. And then we were like, oh, yeah, Eskimos when we score a touchdown. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, bow down to Saskatchewan. And so I bent right over, and I didn't moon them like with right. butt or anything, but I just <laughs> wiggled my butt at them kind of thing. And they were laughing, and we were laughing. It was just really good, you know. Like, so 
you know, you create healthy competition with, you know, your neighboring provinces and all that kind of stuff. And I really think it's fun that, you know, it's not just Labor Day Classic with uh, Edmonton and Calgary and not just Toronto and Hamilton, but now it's like the the Banjo Bowl has really gotten a strong following no, and, and, again, and rivalry. It's, it's great. And again, that was just a simple little marketing thing where Troy Westwood uh, mentioned something other banjo something to the Regina fans yeah, so yeah maybe, sudden, maybe they'll bring their banjos with them or something <laughs> to but, the next but, home game but it certainly created a fun filled event now and oh totally uh, and I remember uh, for years when I played here that uh, you would often see 10, 15 20 busloads of fans coming down from Edmonton for the Labor Day game and mm-hmm. they'd be all in that one corner in the northeast uh, corner section but they were here to have fun I mean you didn't see all those fights or anything else. Uh, but people were here, they had fun, and then you got the return game went back up there again, and you had busloads from Calgary going back exactly. up. Exactly, and that's what you want. You yeah. can't just, you know, it's it, it's great if you can rely on your home fans, but it's even better if you get, like, a little mix of, um, you know, the away fans to come in, too. And then oh, vice versa, you know, oh, when definitely. your team goes over there, then you bring your fans with you. But, uh, yeah, just go out there with the idea of having fun, and uh, that's what it's about when you go have you ever gone to the to Europe for any uh, sporting events or anything like that? No, no, oh, I haven't. My no. God, you got to check it out sometime. <laughs> go to Europe sometime. I got family over there, so I go there all, like uh, every few years. But uh, hockey is like they, the the hockey mentality is so similar to soccer, uh, where they have the singing and the jumping and the, you know the, the different chants and stuff, and it's throughout the entire game. And they have the drums, like big drums, like it's it's similar in CFL and stuff. But right. for hockey, like. In Canada, shh, sit down. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> you know sit down, shh, don't, be quiet. we gotta, we got to follow this game. You know, you go to Nashville and people are yelling things and they have their fun stuff, but there's actually a section in the arena, which isn't very big in Europe, mind you, for a lot of markets, but there'll be, oh, I'd say 40 fans from that neighboring city or even that city on the other side of the country, and they'll either be... Uh, integrated in the city, like they live there, or they come along on the you know the booster club bus right, or whatever, right. and they are jumping up and down pretty much the entire time, and they're drumming and they're chanting and yelling their songs that they come up with, and then they score a goal, and then there's like, uh, so a German would be like you know this team, you know, uh, then they would wait for everyone to shout what the score was, so it'd be like vier, which is four, and then you know this team nothing null and. You know, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You right, know, right. It's hilarious. So it's really nice when you can incorporate the fans in not just watching the game itself and not just doing those little fun contests uh, between quarters or halftime or something like that, right. but really get them involved in this kind of community and, um, I don't know, just routine of like really being involved, you know, being a participant. You know, oh, they can't exactly. be the athlete, but they can be a fan. Oh, definitely. And again, I think that's where the CFL's got to market it. Where the fan go out, have a great time, mm-hmm. and get. Uh, um, I see a Toronto soccer team. They play a week after the Grey Cup game a year ago, and they're sold out at uh, BMO Field. So all of a sudden, it was a lot colder, but yet they're sold out, and they're playing soccer at the end of November, the first yeah. week of December. So, what are they doing to get the people out there? Yeah, like you can sell out this. Like yeah. they were selling Grey Cup tickets towards the end for like twenty bucks. Uh, when there was right. Toronto last year, right. was, and like the weather wasn't terrible. No. I think it was quite a lot. Well, there was no snow, but I don't but think it was that freezing in Toronto no, it wasn't last that year. Freezing, it was colder for the soccer game. So, are they generating, or is it because soccer is so big? And, and I know there's different cultures. Yeah, of course. Multiculture, yeah. Soccer, the, 
well, follow the sport. The most popular game around the world, you know, football, right. soccer, yeah. Now, that was sold out, but it wasn't the most watched game on TV. So, mm-hmm. But the people that were there were having fun. Uh, it was their culture. But they were introduced, probably all those fans, they introduced the game and they've all played soccer at mm-hmm. one stage or the other. Um, it's harder for a lot of football fans who even go out and engage and play the game but uh, and still be a fan. So, uh, again, I just think got to get youth into the stadiums and well it really surprises me too because like again toronto like i would say that's one of the um i wouldn't say weaker markets but definitely not the most loyal uh, fans or large fan base but probably the most successful team in the cfl of all time and right. they just won a great cup this year it wasn't too long uh they're, they're not too far removed from the last time they won the great cup no. i think that was 2012 so. 2012 yeah. Yeah. yeah was it 2012 yeah, yes, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anniversary. So yeah, and uh, that was playing against Calgary as well. Calgary yeah. to victim again. <laughs> uh, so we won't have any more great cups in Toronto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't even have it there yeah. for a while. Um, so uh, you definitely still follow the game very closely. Like you're probably almost at every home game, I'd imagine. I'm at every home game unless I'm out of town, So, and that's very seldom. Do you enjoy the game more so now than when you were playing? Like, obviously, you're part of the game. That's a lot of fun. Off right. I enjoy the reasons. game. I enjoy the game. Like, the rule changes and everything? Probably ask me, and I'm not quite sure of all the rule changes now. I, it's I don't hard for me to follow. follow. <laughs> uh, it's hard to follow, so... Um, it's like, oh, that's a rule now? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, when I go to the games, it's a social event. There's always a bunch of people I know. We're always kind of in that same section. Halftime, we meet. Uh, we meet with a group before the game, another group during the game, and another group after the game. So, it's very much a social event also. And there's a lot of fun in the stands, and and I appreciate the game. But a lot of times, I only see half the game because I'm still out talking. And yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> again, to me, it's an event. Uh, glad to be there. Um, I certainly enjoy playing the game. I would do it all over in a second. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last two years, um, Wayne Harris Jr. has invited me to help out with the University of Calgary Dinosaurs, working with their kickers. Yep. yep. So I kind of all of a sudden you're back down on the sidelines again, and Thoroughly enjoying that part of it. I have no desire to be a, a coach. Don't get me wrong. I don't <laughs> mind just coaching any kind. Yeah. Oh, just, uh, just coaching the kicker yeah. and uh, really enjoy it. And you, you get back and you kind of see all the idiosyncrasies off the. Uh, you know, and it reminds you a lot back when you played again. So, man, it's just a lot of fun to help this. Uh, we have a couple of young kids that are there now, and um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to be back on the field again, the sidelines, but. Um, so I enjoy that aspect, and but again, I still, I'm still a fan of the game, mm-hmm. and at the CFL level, whether the CFL level, university level, uh, junior level, I mm-hmm. play junior, yep. and uh, even the minor football programs. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you can't take them all in, but uh, fan of the game, and uh, yeah. I think Calgary does a very good job. Uh, and there's a lot of alumni that are quite involved in coaching these minor league teams. Obviously, some of their kids are playing in it, but no different than minor hockey. If you're in there, you're, yeah, you're coaching. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. a parent. You're, you're in there volunteering. So, uh, But getting back to your little question here a few minutes ago, um, I remember it was in the 90s, Sig Gucci took over from Larry Rickman, and attendance was low, and he offered uh, season tickets for university students for $25. Yeah. And all of a sudden... Those fans still sit in the game, mm-hmm. sit there, and that's almost 25 years later. So uh, there's still that one section of the stadium that's always filled up, and that's from when Sig 
Yeah, and it was just students that could afford to go to the game, had a good time. Yeah, and they want to go. They want yeah. to go somewhere. They want to have oh, fun. Exactly. And, and why uh, not get a part of the community? To come? So again, you got fans back in the stadium, and maybe that's what you do with kids, or uh, I don't know how, but I'm sure I know Randy and Rosie is uh, trying to put a ticket plan together for how to get young kids back involved and mm-hmm. going to the games. Oh, that's what you really need to do. And like, and getting football athletes, you're competing with rugby and you're competing with hockey, lacrosse, you know. So, oh, yes. you know, there's yes. like there's only so many natural athletes that, you know, take to a sport and really excel. And like, rugby, you know, rugby coaches and managers and all that kind of stuff come to the CFL Combine because yes. they're like, they're curious. It's like, okay, well, if you don't get picked up, hey, why not rugby? You know, it's a little bit simpler and less equipment, all that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> no, how exactly. else can we entice yeah. you? So it is kind of nice that, you know, these athletes have different options, but at the same time, like, you know, if the CFL wants to, you know, put their stake in it, they have to have these, you know, uh, organizations and uh, uh, leagues to really get the kids interested when they're young, you know. Oh, totally, and that's where they get started and get them involved in multiple sports where I think the downside of hockey these days are if you start hockey, that's 12 months of the year where you don't learn to play any other sports. Really? And, and Or they don't want you to. You know, because you're going to injure yourself. So, like, what are you going to do? Play golf all the time? Then all of a sudden, 16, 17 years old, there's a burnout. They don't want to play that sport anymore. Either it's not fun for them or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so I think think we need more crossover sports for athletes to play in. I agree. I completely agree. Um, So uh, what? in what ways do you think the league has improved uh, since uh, since your retirement? Or in the last few years, even? I think we're the... You know what? I think uh, the big... Improvement for the league is whenever TSN took over. Yeah, you think so? Yes. I okay. That's been a big turning point because it started to give a lot of the, uh, from the TV contracts and everything else, I think it started to give some of the teams financial st- stability, mm-hmm. whereas before that big contract there wasn't. Um, so I think that's been huge. Um, but I think the athletes are better today and they have more facilities and everything else. More education. I mean, um, they got psychologists involved in the games now. You got doctors that are, they can have a player playing if he had a knee injury, where mm-hmm. his career ending at one time now. They're back in the field nine months yeah. later. Um, I mean, you, your um, physio, uh, like everything's just so much better. The rehabilitation. The, the rehabilitation. The, yeah. uh, uh, the nourishment of the athletes that they're receiving today. Well, probably the union for the athletes is, is a lot yeah. better too now. Like yes. there's actually yes. like real, real good uh, fine print in the the contracts where they're right. they're protected or they're covered if something bad happens to them. Right. So I mean, just overall, the athletes of today got so much the video, all the technology, the training. <laughs> I mean, it's. it's well, it's yeah. almost kind of annoying <laughs> with the technology. It's just like, all right, what? Like even the the Super Bowl this year, uh, where. The guy clearly like gets in the end zone and the ball hits the end zone, but they're right. like, "Is that a completed catch?" Right. Uh, right. I, yes. it, me in my mind, yeah, totally. Why are we reviewing it eighteen times? You know? No, exactly. So, um, again, I think we got to put more faith in the referees that are on the field. I completely agree. I completely agree. And, uh, uh, I don't like to see a game. Probably, if from a fan standpoint, the two things I don't care for is, I mean, for the players, I guess it's great these one-year contracts. But for the fan, there's not the continuity is not there like it used to be, and the other is technology is taking over with video reviews and the games are getting longer. I am. Um, it, it's video review can't pick it up in a minute, and mm-hmm. um, if you got to go to uh, that tenth degree of 
to try and find something uh, then and you know it's 10 minutes later well all of a sudden you lose some momentum I think the players lose some oh, momentum of course uh, they, they do they yeah. want to keep going so um, those would be the two things that I think I would like to see a change in <coughs> yeah. however uh, it might be hard to change yeah um, have you heard much or looked into it all with uh, the XFL coming in They've been there before, I think, with Vince McMahon. Yep. Uh, he's trying to... Do it again. <laughs> ...play shock football or whatever. Yeah. Um, what kind of characters is, is he going to have? Yeah. Uh, playing the game, is it going to be his style from the world wrestling? Well, uh, apparently they can't have um, a criminal record. Uh, the game's going to be two hours long. I, I really don't know that much at all. Like, when I was a kid, it was a big thing, and then <laughs> it disappeared. I was like, oh, good, thank God. <laughs> but, yeah, shock football, exactly. That's how yeah, I kind of describe I think it. It's, uh, I just think uh, people get their fill with uh, the CFL. Uh, come September, um, Americans love their high school football on Friday nights. Oh, yeah. College, university ball yep, on Saturdays. NCAA, yep. uh, NFL Sunday. Now they got Monday night football. they got Thursday night football. Mm-hmm. Um there's only so much sports that can go around. Totally. Um, am I interested to watch a spring football league? Not at all. <laughs> uh, you're going to need a name player, but if you just have one name player, he's not going to make oh, yeah, no, every, exactly. everybody else great. And yeah. I just think um, fans want to watch basketball the, um, in the wintertime or look at how big basketball is in college and university um, in the States. So... Um, I just well, don't see Canadians focusing in on... on it's, it's, uh, there's got to be a quality of play to the aspect, too, and, like, a bit of a legacy mentality. It's like, okay, right. yeah, XFL, they came and they went. Like, what would happen if the the WHA came back for the like, in fight against the NHL? Right. How many people are they going to be able to entice? You know, are they going to be able to pull away, like, another Bobby Hall again and get another oh, Wayne exactly. Gretzky? So, like, there's only so much talent, and then once you dilute, dilute too much with these leagues, and especially how different these leagues are, it's still going to be almost kind of... Annoying. No, I mean, the European League, I don't believe they have that anymore, or is that still going on? No, I don't think they do. I think they have something else, but it's nowhere connected to uh, the NFL. Arena football, you know, they have something that may last uh, a month or two, but I just don't see uh, how you're going to lure a big name quarterback to play in your league. Unless they got banned from uh, the NFL. So the good players, the good quarterbacks, what they're getting paid now. the guy from San Fran, I think, what's he getting, 17 to 20 million mm-hmm. a year? How, how, how can a new league afford that? How can a new league going to get a big contract from yeah. a TV station? Exactly. Um, I just see how strong the NHL is in the States, how strong basketball is mm-hmm. in the States, baseball starting up now. So I just think there's only so many things that. And in so many places, follow. too. Like. Right. What are you going to do? Like have two arena football leagues? In, oh, sorry, teams in uh, New York as well. When you already have two football teams, two basketball teams, pretty much two hockey teams. Oh, t- like totally. And I just think, who's going to go to these games? <laughs> uh, no, I just think people will follow the CFL football. They'll follow uh, high school football. They're going to college, university football, and mm-hmm. the NFL. And and the NFL goes right into the uh, first week of February now. So. Um, I just think it's tough for a spring league to do well in football. Um, moving along here, uh, what are some of the m- more memorable moments of your career? Like big games, big plays um, that you finished, um, something funny that happened on the field? There's always just trying to pull all the stories together. Now. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I was almost thinking, I was like, right. oh, maybe we should have a few beers <laughs> when we're doing this. 
No, I, I think, I just think overall the, the character of the individuals that you meet mm-hmm. that have played the game and how all these different, they talk about diverse, diversity now, but there's a diversity of different personalities when, when we played the game also and uh, uh, how do they all mesh to be one successful team? How can you pull them all into the same room? Where, yeah. And, uh, but every team every year I played on, we always had, we always had fun, even though we didn't win as much as we wanted to in Calgary. But we always had fun. We always had a pretty good core. We always had strong defenses. Our biggest uh, weakness was always having a, a quality quarterback. Uh, we had Huffnagel and uh, Ken Johnson in 79 uh, when I was here. That's my first year. Um, but then after that, we had a series of quarterbacks that were very average or we mm-hmm. just never had enough offensive ability to for a quarterback to be successful. And, um, but I just think overall the things you take away from it, uh, yes, there's a lot of stories trying to put them all together, think of the last minute, but a lot of them are, a lot of stories were just jokes against each other or, or whatever. I yeah. mean, you got the Tom Forsanis, uh, the Wasnesenskis, the Bob Vickers, the Huffnagels, the Bob Do, do you have some of those jokes that you could share right now or? Oh, I can't remember the right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too much of this along the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes, <laughs> at, you know. At, like... at, at those events, but I mean, um, every time when there's a reunion or whatever, one story gets started, that gets another story going. Yeah. And, um, Propels, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but uh, again, just overall, the quality of the person uh, of the teammates that I played with is been outstanding. The teammates are probably, your experience with them is probably the most memorable, yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be tough, like, uh, come free agency time or uh, trade or something like that where you see some of your friends go. So um, Definitely. It's tough to go, but it's, uh, you soon realize once you get into into it, it's a business also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got to make the right decisions. And Of course. Uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, you see you got a weakness of one position, and you can get somebody in. Totally. Uh, yeah. For example, if Ottawa's got a weakness at linebacker, and Calgary's got uh, a strength of linebackers, but need an offensive lineman, and if mm-hmm. Ottawa's got that part, well, you can trade and make. Yep. There's yep. a benefit to both teams. So, um, again, it's part of the business. Uh, I mean, back then, and a lot of the players that played for a team. Mm-hmm would play at least four or five years minimum, mm. whereas these days it might be one or two years or one year, and then sadly, yeah, then they're off to another team. So again, it's hard. Yeah. Um, or you get a stubborn uh, GM that just wants to trade somebody just to put their name in the put, books put or something like that. that. And uh, freaking ridiculous. And uh, Eric Tillman. You know, <laughs> there's there's a name I didn't have to say it, but yeah. <laughs> but they got to go and prove their point that whenever they get in there, that yeah, yes, they're stubborn. Yeah, no, De- definitely ridiculous. Um, yeah, when you when you were saying there about uh, you know you know seeing somebody leave, but then maybe meet up with them. That's what retirement's for, right? You know, yes. you retire and then you call up your buddies and like, hey, let's meet up, and then you have a few more, more of those uh, beverages. No, no. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, and that's where national alumni is good because totally you see a lot yeah. of these guys now because a lot of them will settle in the cities. Usually, where they last end up playing. But yeah, we've been fortunate in Calgary. A lot of players that got traded for the last year or two still came back to Calgary and make their living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Again, we got quite a few. Uh, so does Edmonton now, with a recession in the oil patch and everything else. I don't know if it's quite as attractive, but yeah, it'll uh, come back. But uh, 
a lot of players, especially the Canadians, uh, they end up making their homes here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what, what was it about Calgary that made you really want to make this your home? I don't know. I just felt the warmth of Calgary the day I got traded here. That's just, good. It, it just felt like, hey, this place is great. I like it. I like the atmosphere of the city. I like the, uh, the attitude of the people. And no, it's just a friendly, warm feeling. And, uh, um, and certainly to this day, I still have the same feeling about Calgary. They'll throw a hell of a stampede here, too. They do that. <laughs> they know how to throw a party. I would imagine that you guys, as the, the, the stampeders, would go to the... Um, the the Calgary Stampede every now and then as a team to you Definitely. know make we do nice a couple of charity people. events, but uh, yeah, there's always <clears throat> generally it's a rule Calgary plays out of town when the Stampede is on. It makes so, sense. Yeah, but, <laughs> if you play a Friday night, you can still get the last Saturday night in. Yep. But uh, uh, no, the Calgary. I mean, I enjoy the rodeo. Um, Have you participated in any rodeo events at all, just for fun? No, I just watch them. Oh, because you grew up on the farm too. I imagine you know how to take down a cow or something. No, I respect what the cowboys do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm not trying for their position. No, nope, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you'll do do some kind of trick thing where you kick the football and then they'll catch it while they're riding on the, the horse or something. That'd be one hell of a thing to see. Um, with your retirement. Uh, how did you retire? Was it at the end of the season? Did you kind of um, get approached by the um, the GM or anything like that, or on your own the, terms? Uh, no, not my terms. Uh, most times you don't go out in your terms. Uh, we had a coach here by the name of Larry Kaharik, and uh, Larry either liked you or he didn't like you. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to bring this up. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and uh, I think he felt threatened by veterans, and once he got a three-year contract, he. Uh, he did a lot of cleaning house, and uh, uh, so there's myself, Rob Smith, and Bob Poley got released after the Labor Day game, um, but he still had to pay us for the rest of the year anyways, because we were released after Labor Day. But previous to that season, we had a good year the year before, he re- released about seven or eight veterans, uh, Richie Hall, uh, Vince Goldsmith at that time, mm-hmm. um, Larry Hode, a lot of good football players, and he wanted to come in and kind of do something like Chris Jones did. and. Regina, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm, yeah, get a lot of veterans, yep. and uh, uh, that's the way it goes. You got no control over it, yeah. and at that time I was thirty-four or thirty-five, and uh, had an opportunity to probably go back to Ottawa to play, but I just figured at that time I've had eleven years. I love the city, and if you still want to live in the city and keep yourself entrenched, well, whatever you do, then. Uh, if you went back to Ottawa for a year or two, then do you lose your contacts that you had here yeah. or whatever to, and enjoy the city? And if I did go back to Ottawa, how many more years were you going to get out of it? Is it going to be one or two? Or, yeah. Uh, at some point in time, you got to get on with your life. Mm-hmm. It was fun being a kid for all those years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. Enjoyed it, but uh, reality off it is, there is uh, a limited time to your career mm-hmm. in pro sports. So, um, no, I just... Uh, but I still ended up getting paid out for the rest of the year. And uh, again, I had an opportunity to go to Ottawa, go to Edmonton. Because um, they had some kickers going through some things at that time. Yeah. And, but at the time, I just... I think at, at a certain point in time, uh, mentally, uh, you've had enough too. Uh-huh. Or the fun. fun was starting to leave the sport. Yeah, it's, yeah, like I don't want to make it sound terrible, but maybe kind of gave you like that reassurance that hey, maybe I am done. You know, maybe you know, I had eleven good years. Uh, could yeah, have squeezed out another one or two, possibly. 
uh, would it be where I was going to be happy? Um, that part I can't answer because mm -hmm. I never tried to do that opportunity. So, um, again, at the end of the day, I, I felt I had a good career and I'm very happy with it. And uh, I'm still in Calgary here and still enjoying Calgary very much. And yeah, no, it seems like it's all right in here. All right, so you know? it fits, uh, fills my needs. So Totally. Um, uh, again, I was reading. I'm not sure if it's how accurate it is. Uh, but you got to have your chance where you got to go on the, the field during uh, a game, wave to the fans at all or anything like that? Uh, Later we, on in oh, your yeah, years, maybe? There was, uh, yeah, there's been a lot That's got to be some nice closure uh, there where you're yeah, like, you know. Oh, well, there's hey. been a Wall of Fame induction dinner, so uh, yeah. you, you have your name up on the wall. It's nice. Um, it's what other people voted you in. It wasn't you that did it. Yeah, uh, no kidding. Uh, voted me, by it peers. It was a nice honor. If it wasn't there, it wouldn't have been a big deal neither. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, no, there's time but now and then you're still invited to different events onto the field and everything else whenever the club needs your mm -hmm. help certainly more than happy there's a great relationship between the club and our alumni association yeah. so um yeah even last year there was an event for uh, hometown heroes where they recognized somebody from the emergency uh ems or firefighters police or whatever uh, military people and then mm -hmm. they'd have one alumni out for every game and they do a little brief story on you, what years, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so they, they still interact, and the club does a good job if you're still living in the city. To totally, yeah. Well, it's a lot of give and take, like, like when you were with the team and then when you let, when you left the team, and then um, like even now, it's a lot of give and take relationship. Um, you know, you gave a lot of your loyalty and your years and your, um, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and all that stuff to the team and the city and the organization and all that kind of stuff. And it's nice when they can give you, like, you know, a piece of uh, you oh, know exactly. recognition and yeah. all those other kinds. Of, like you were, you were a Western All Star or a CFL All Star, I believe. Uh, Western All Star. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's 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 a hell yeah. of a <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's all good. And again, um, we're very fortunate that we uh, have. Uh, we're lucky with Dave Dickinson. He's alumni. I, mm -hmm. uh, John Huffnagel has been alumni. Jack Otto used to be alumni. I mean. There's a lot of coaches or management people down the system, and mm -hmm. uh, you know they want to be able to help the alumni, and the alumni want to help them. So it's uh, uh, hey, we still get the the comments from the public also. What what's wrong? Even mm -hmm. though we're not playing, we weren't out in the field. Yep. Yep. Uh, what's going on with you guys? Oh, people will tell you everything. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you guys? Uh, oh, I always love uh, hearing the stories with the hockey players, and yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what you should do in the power play. Oh yeah, thanks there, <laughs> Mister uh, Guy who works the deli counter at Subway. Definitely. You yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. So for sure. So I mean, it's uh, again when you look back at the whole thing, the whole situation. Uh, the club's been good to me. The city's been good to me. So that's all I can ask for. Oh, that's really all you really need. Um, just a closing question here. Uh, when did you fall in love with football? I've always liked football as a kid, watching it on TV and everything else. Even though I played a lot of soccer and hockey. Uh, but like, what was the moment where it was like, this is for me, this is going to be a part of my life, for the, you know, uh, I, I want this to be a part of my life? I would say the first high school camp I went to in Ottawa. Um, I played high school football. My first year I played high school football junior. I never kicked. They already had somebody else. Then the second year I played junior. I did the kicking, and then uh, then I did all the kicking in high school from after that. And... Um, we had a guy that worked at a local newspaper that was a scout for Ottawa at the time for all the rural community that was in. And he referred me to the high school camp in Ottawa. So, and that's probably where it took off. And 
felt, okay, here's a chance you might be able to do something? Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, uh, I remember when I was like very young kid, I just loved football so much because I got to meet, and then this goes again with uh, what can the CF will do to get these generations attached to him. I got to meet, uh, you know, three uh, Eskimo All-Stars, pretty much, um, when I was very young. I got to hang out with them. They were super nice to me. Uh, we lived five hours north of Edmonton, so we couldn't go to a game all the time. But, you know, I had a nice right. family that lived in Edmonton, so whenever we did visit, and zip in there. So, you know, I, I, I fell in love with the game before I even was playing or really could go see a, a live game. I really wanted to be a part of it. But, you know, the way life goes sometimes, you know, right. it might not be Definitely. for you. <laughs> so, no, like, uh, it's been, you know, a lot of fun watching these uh, these teams play and battle it out. Uh, you know, being Eskimos fan, there was a, a few rough years for us. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's been great to see how this goes and that goes. Uh, actually, funny enough, I kind of had a little fan freak out uh, when I didn't know him exactly, but I knew of him. Um, when I, when I was fighting fire up north, my first year as a firefighter was 2013, and we had a, um, oh, it was my second year I met him. That's 2014, I met him my second year, and his name's Scott McKenzie. Now, he was a CFL kicker for a bunch of different teams, and he actually got to play with Calgary. Now, I wasn't sure if you knew the name or not, but he was a kicker, uh, quite a tall guy. He's about six foot five or so. <laughs> Mic check. <laughs> um... And he actually played in Calgary for a few years, and um, he would tell me stories about how he'd uh, kick the ball as hard as he could to Henry Burris, and Buddy would catch like, one of the whoever the kick receiver was at the time would catch the ball, pass it off to Henry Henry Burris, and he would throw it all the way back like right, eighty right, yards or right. something like that, just no problem at all. Right. And so Scott's just like, oh, for frick's sakes, and he'd kick it even harder and harder and harder. <laughs> but yeah, every time, just no problem at all, just throwing it right back to him. Uh, but yeah, he was also, uh, I think, the first and only kicker, um, for sure in modern history for CFL, that uh, had a had a kickoff or a punt. I can't remember exactly. I was kind of drunk at the time when he was telling me the story, and I was freaking out because it was so cool. But he was playing for Toronto, the Argonauts, and he'd kick it. And no one was grabbing it, but he got there fast enough to pick it up and ran it for a touchdown. It was an okay. exhibition game, yeah. but I was like, well, that's a hell of a story. But yeah. him being six foot four and like 210 pounds, a solid brick shithouse, right. you know, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, he could do that. He <laughs> played a little bit in um, the NFL, too. I think he went to a few camps for Miami or Philadelphia or Atlanta or something like that way back in the day. But yeah, he was kind of funny because he was a 41 year old rookie for firefighting as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, tremendous athlete, played a little bit of. Um, pro basketball in Australia too but I just figured I'd just name drop there see if you right. recognize the name or not uh, not offhand no nope, that's no. fine that's yeah. fine uh, and I guess we have one last question do you have an early favorite for the Grey Cup for this coming year I think I know the obvious answer but <laughs> oh, I'm also going to say Calgary but, uh, <laughs> I think Edmonton's going to give them a very good challenge um both teams are going to challenge each other very well. Oh, I'm I, happy I, that we, the Eskimos re-signed J.C. Sherritt. That yeah. was a huge thing. Sherritt, Sadly, yeah. we had to uh, get rid of definitely. Uh, uh, Darius Bowman. That was a big hit but, to our uh, team because uh, him and Riley were just – chemistry was great. Uh, definitely. But uh, i got to think uh, Regina is going to be a team to keep an eye on. Um, but I, I still think right now it would be Calgary-Edmonton from the west and from the east. Um, and just with the Trestman-led team and Joe Thompson, I think Toronto is going to be – Good. I think Hamilton's, uh, they came on under Jones last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ottawa's made some changes. Uh, uh, they're pretty strong at quarterback. I, at this time, I just don't see Montreal being very successful mm-hmm. with a, 
coach that doesn't have any CFL experience. And I don't see their, where their quarterbacking is. So I just kind of looking at uh, the quarterbacking of Ottawa, Toronto, and Hamilton. Now I think all the three teams is going to be pretty competitive, but I just got to think with Tressman, run mm -hmm. team, and Ricky Ray being back, I think mm -hmm. Toronto's probably a pretty good bet right now to be able to use. It was an exciting great cup, that was for sure. Um, you know, that's been for a few years in a row now. So, you know, hopefully the CFL grows. Um, yeah, hopefully you keep enjoying your time uh, no, definitely. with the team and in the city. Uh, thank you very much there, oh, JT. You're welcome anytime, and yeah. thanks for being uh, a great fan of the game. Yeah, no problem, yeah. no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll run into each other a few more times. Oh, for sure. And yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I hope you guys really enjoyed the podcast. Um, yeah, maybe we'll be able to record another time or maybe yeah, get some more sure. Stampede uh, alumni yeah, that I can sure. just, uh, you know, brag how much I love the Eskimos yeah. more than Stamps. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, just let me know. Yeah, sounds great. All right, thanks a lot. They're not the podcast listeners. This is the Awkward Throw Clear with Aaron Chalupa and JT Hay. Um, yeah, tune in next time. Um, we've got a few more podcasts coming up this way. I'm going to try to bulk up as many episodes as possible because who knows what I get up to and uh, it's going to get busier and busier as the summer comes along with fire season. Have a good one.